Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, February 8th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm the theater throwback's Daniela Parcel. Guys, it was a, another one of those dreaded slow news days, so we'll talk about some stuff. But if there's anything else that caught your eye today from the theatrical landscape, let me know and we can chat about it. Um, otherwise, uh, just leave people with some nuggets and the dazzling conversation that the three of us always have. Yes. All right. First up in the news, first up in the news, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child completes latest round of ticket sales. Yeah. Well, if the Sorting Hat, I think that's a thing, didn't deem you worthy of p- p- purchasing tickets yet, then unfortunately you're going to have to wait to get tickets to Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway because yesterday the show completed their latest round of verified fan sales at all price points between March 16th of this year and March 9th of next year. Apparently, starting today at, at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, though, you are able to visit the official website to join a virtual waiting room. I don't know what that is uh, for the best chance to buy any tickets that might have gone unclaimed through the verified fan process. I don't know if that's like a a Sims thing where you get like a little avatar and you sit in a waiting room until a ticket shows up. I don't know how that works. But anyway, the show will release additional tickets when and if they become available, starting with performances uh, as soon as they start. Um Danielle, I, I know some folks that got tickets at a number of different price points. Um, James and Ella, our friend Julie Musback, who pinch hits here occasionally, got $20 tickets. Um, as listeners know, she saw the show in London, which is good because from those cheap seats in the Lyric, chances are that neither opera glasses or binoculars um, would be enough to be able to see that stage. So maybe she'll take a telescope or something a little more high powered to be able to see the show. But anyway, um, James, I don't want you jumping in here because i know you're biased but daniela you are certainly in the prime harry potter demographic so even though you live here in florida have you tried to go through the verified fan process for this show or maybe your sister has because i know she lives in new york um i haven't uh i'm i was a huge harry potter fan growing up though so i'm kind of surprised that i (laughs) haven't tried that yet um the whole process seems fairly complicated though and not living in new york it's a little hard for me to kind of buy tickets so far in advance because I don't really know when I can take trips up there. So I haven't tried it. Yeah. James, did you get a ticket telling you you weren't good enough for uh, Bruce Springsteen today? I think that the verified fan process is all Slytherin. (laughs) I I think, I I mean, I kind of get that. I kind of get the reference. Run by Snape. (laughs) Ah, is that the guy with no nose? (laughs) <laughs> who's, who's the one with no nose that's Voldemort uh. <laughs> he whose name should not be spoken alright I, I really refrained from inserting a joke there that might have got me in trouble so mm. yes. uh, next up in the news reviews are in for Eve Ensler's In the Body of the World yeah, earlier this week, uh, Natalie on the this theatrical schedule talked about Manhattan Theater Club's production of Eve Ensler's new one-woman show, In the Body of the World. Ensler is best known as the playwright uh, behind the vagina monologues, and she wrote and performs this play based on her own memoir. While working with women suffering from the ravages of war in the, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ensler was stunned by a life-threatening diagnosis. She uh, found out that she had cancer. The show is told with her signature brand of humor, according to 
to press notes, Ensler's personal journey uncovers surprising connections between her body and the earth and how illness can be both transformative and transcendent. The show is directed by Tony winner Diane Paulus and is scheduled to run through March 25th at New York City Center. Well, the show officially opened on Tuesday, so the reviews are in and there are Okay, Um, I I think it's going to be depending on your perspective. Jesse Green of The New York Times said, quote, unlike the vagina monologues in a later play, The Good Body, which were told in the voices of many different women in the body of the world is all Miss Ensler all the time. For 80 minutes, she impersonates no one else except in passing. The result is a story that's less about connecting to people than to ideas, some of them fairly airy. Whether the play's intensely autobiographical self-focus will come off as liberating or oversharing depends in part on how open you are to the meanings of these connections. I was often troubled by them. Barbara Schuler from Newsday had a slightly different perspective, writing, quote, Though very much alone, Ensler makes sure we feel at times intensely the presence of so many others, among them the kind, caring doctor at Mayo, the brute who never looks at her while performing an excruciating procedure, and her estranged sister who comes to care for her. Finn Ross's artistic projections illuminate what's going on in her head, the poisons rushing through her veins during chemo, the infection that takes her over, or that takes over on the same day as the Gulf oil spill, the tree outside her window at Beth Israel that became her reason, my reason to live. Throughout all of this, amazingly, Ensler never loses touch with what was happening in the Congo, and at play's end, she is back there. Alison Adato from uh, Entertainment Weekly said, quote, with a piece this intimately personal and politically significant, it feels churlish to take Ensler to task for stylistic shortcomings. Yes, the show is a mishmash of worthy concerns, but director Diane Paulus is comfortable with chaos and helpfully reigns in the tangents, presenting each segment in a well-defined space. So, guys, it sounds like this is an ambitious show, which should not be surprised from from Ensler, but it's going to probably appeal to some audiences and and maybe not to others. But for anyone that does feel intrigued by this, tickets are on sale. But, uh, you know, I, I think this is a lot of times when you get a one person show, it comes off as very personal and very political. But I have a feeling that this is not the only I think we're going to see more of these, whether it's things like um, Latin history for morons or this. I th- think we're going to see a little more high-profile, political one-person shows, especially with everything that's going on in the political landscape today. I think that, you know, uh, folks like Eve Ensler, they, they've, got, they, they've got such a strong voice and have a large following, uh, just like a John Leguizamo, that I think that they can pull those things off. Um, what gets painful is when people with, let's say not as much talent to those two do the one person show and then uh, that can get painful yeah like when they when they invite all of their friends in a facebook message to like the basement of a theater somewhere and do like a 5 hour dramatic recreation of their entire life that's uh that's never didn't joey do one of those on on friends or something i don't remember that um I I only remember when he, uh, he spoke French. Oh, whatever. <laughs> this is this isn't in the the script, but I mentioned Friends. Apparently, that show has extended into September, the off Broadway parody show, and they uh, claim that they have sold more than one million dollars in tickets to that show. So, congratulations. Um, you'd have to pay me to see it, but uh, whatever. Uh, they didn't get 
some sort of cease and desist, like the uh, what was the <laughs> whose holiday? Who, no, not like whose holiday was you know parody, but what was the the other thing? That was, was it playing the, at the, the Snapple? Threes. Was, um, was the it the Three's? Com- that wasn't the Three's Company one. Um. Oh, oh, you're talking. Are you talking about the Game of Thrones show? Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had to change their name and then decided yeah. to close. Yeah. Exactly. I think Peter despised that one. Yes, pretty much. All right. Uh, Lana Del Rey on, at work on a new Broadway musical. Yeah. Now, James, no offense. Daniela, I am going to turn to you on this one because I don't <laughs> think that it's going to be a surprise to anyone that modern popular music is not ex- exactly my bag. So I'm hoping, Daniela, that you can help me on this one. As yesterday in an article released in a magazine or website called Les Officiel, Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Lana Del Rey revealed that she is currently at work on a musical aiming for Broadway. She said, quote, I was asked to write a musical, which I've started. It was for Broadway. I may finish in two or three years. Okay, not a lot of information to go on there, but she's a fairly big name in the pop music world. I know nothing about what this show is. I tried to poke around some people that are generally in the know about these things, and no one has any idea what she's talking about. So we don't really know what the show's about. But, Daniela, are you familiar with Del Rey's music at all? I'm familiar, but that's about the extent. Um, I really wanted to be a fan of her when she kind of came onto my radar a few years ago, but... uh just not into it uh that said <laughs> i feel like this could be interesting but i, what, I don't what, know i don't know what style like how would you describe the style of music because i feel like a lot of people when people said oh sarah Bareilles is writing um a, a musical a lot of people said okay i don't know a ton of sarah Bareilles, but i know brave i know the you know some of her other songs and they sound like they could be show tunes is lana del rey in that same singer songwriter category I would say no, um, because I remember when I was trying to be a fan of her, thinking it was very monotone and boring. Um, But that was a few years ago. Maybe she's changed. I don't know. I'm optimistic. Something has changed within (laughs) her. Something is not the same. Okay. well, we'll see what happens with this. A lot of pop stars try their hand at um, theater pieces, and we think they're going to be these huge, great things just on the strength of of their name and then they never end up being any good. I'm looking at you, Cheryl Crow and Diner. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how this progresses. All right. James, I, I was I wrong in assuming that you didn't know anything about Lana Del Rey? No, I happen to know a lot about Lana Del Rey, but I just uh, ignored your ignoring of me. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Sorry about that. <laughs> Alan Cumming to return to Cafe Carlisle this summer. Yeah. Now, speaking of of music and hopefully great music, yesterday it was announced that the incomparable Tony winner Alan Cumming would be returning the, to New York's Cafe Carlisle this summer for his new show, Legal Immigrant, running from June 19th. Through June 30th, the show chronicles Cummings' journey to becoming an American citizen in 2008 with stories and songs about his life and loves and his adopted homeland. Tickets range from 90 to $200 and are available now. Now, James, I think the last time he did a show at Cafe Carlisle, we talked to him um, on an episode of This Week on Broadway that I happened to be on. That was um, Sappy Songs, Sappy Love Songs, something like that. Uh, Alan yeah. Cummings, Sappy Songs. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. So that w- that went over great at Cafe Carlisle. So if you want to see him, um, definitely get your tickets. Now, James, I assume when you think of coming, do you think of him in, in Cabaret as the MC? Is that how you picture him most? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Danielle, what what about you? You're of a different generation than James and, and me. He's had this 
hugely varied career from cabaret to the good wife to playing rooster in the Annie TV movie. When you think of Alan Cumming, assuming that you think of him at all, um, where do you associate him most? Definitely Annie. I really? think that okay. movie was probably my first exposure to Alan Cumming. So I haven't let go of it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, interestingly enough, when I was living in Georgia, the the woman now who played Annie actually played Sally Bowl in a production of, of Cabaret there. Um, I didn't see it, but um, anyway, comes off full circle there around uh, Alan Cumming and Cabaret. <laughs> uh, we have highlights of Hey, Look Me Over at Encores. Yes, we do. That uh, Encore's show uh, started performances last night, and there's a lot of people who are going over and, and looking at this one with slightly skeptical eyes because this is something different than what Encore's does. But there's a very nice um, kind of uh, highlight B-roll package with a, a bunch of different songs. It opens with the thing that I have a feeling that if I saw this would be my favorite thing there, and that is Bob Martin as Man in Chair doing narration. I... I, I'm very much on record as, as loving man in chair and feeling a kinship to him in many ways. Um, but they've got also the performances by um, Alexandra Soka, B.B. Uh, Newworth, um, uh, uh, Carolee Carmelo, Vanessa Williams, and some other highlights in there as well. So if you are heading over to City Center this weekend to see Hey, Look Me Over, check out those those highlights. Uh, James, I'm assuming you haven't seen those yet, but Daniela, I know you watched them is this something that has any, did you recognize many of those songs at all? Um, because I have to admit, like I, I listen to a lot of show tunes. I listen to Sirius XM all the time. And maybe out of the five or six songs that were in there, I probably was only familiar with two or three. Were any of these things songs that were familiar to you? No, honestly, none of them. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I enjoyed the video. I thought it looked like a lot of fun and like something I would like to see, but I was not familiar with any of it. But yeah, I think that's I, the point. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that is definitely something that that Encore strives for. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, they, they're trying to bring shows that are lesser known to a wider audience. James, I know you were uh, trying to figure out if you can go. Are you going to be able to make it over to see Hey, Look Me Over at City Center this weekend? Uh, it doesn't look like my schedule's going to allow me to get there but um it sounds like um this selection of songs is like a nice dessert cart where you can mm. sample a little of everything that's very good yeah and there's a there's more than just songs too there's there's dance numbers there's also book scenes from a lot of these shows as well so james i'm hoping somebody whether it's peter or michael or jan or whoever you're having on this weekend for this week on broadway will be able to uh who's who maybe they've seen it and will be able to talk about it because i'm interested to hear um how this whole amalgamation of stuff worked out all right uh daniela why don't you give us the theater throwback Right. So this one's actually a little bit of a downer, uh, and I apologize for that in advance. But today we are going way back to February 5th, 1908. This was the birthday of conjoined twins Daisy and Violet Hilton. Uh, Daisy and Violet were theater stars themselves, as well as the subjects of the musical Sideshow. The Hilton sisters began performing as early as age three when they toured the UK under the name The United Twins. Uh, they did not have a good early life, however. Pretty quickly after they were born, they were bought from their birth mother because their new mother saw some kind of commercial potential in them. 
uh, it's really not a good story. It all started when she would, the new mom would put them on display in the window of a local pub with the hopes of bringing in customers. And then she and her husband taught them to sing and dance at a very young age so that they could get them onto a stage in front of audiences as soon as they could. So for the most of their adolescence, the sisters lived this pretty awful, exploitative life. They had no autonomy, no control over their lives, and were forced into these vaudeville performances by their parents. They did have a pretty big win in 1931, though. By this time, their mother had died, and they were being managed by her other daughter. They were also making a ton of money by this time, but obviously their managers kept it all. So they decided to sue, and after a very high-profile trial, they were released from their contracts and finally free. After that, things did start to look up for them for a little bit. Their career definitely faltered, but honestly, that wasn't such a bad thing. Uh, By 1961, their entertainment career was pretty much over, and this is actually not a very happy ending either. They were apparently stranded by their agent at a drive-in theater in North Carolina, and with no income or no no way to get home, they started working at a grocery store there until they passed away in 1969. So fast forward to 1997, uh, when the musical Sideshow opened on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Written by Henry Krieger and Bill Russell, the original production starred Emily Skinner as Daisy and Alice Ripley as Violet. The musical is pretty loosely based on the sisters' lives, but it's a really great nod to these two people who had to endure such a painful life full of just exploitation and disrespect. The original Broadway production of Sideshow ran for only 91 regular performances, closing on January 3rd, 1998. The show was revised and revived pretty recently in 2014, but unfortunately it suffered a similar fate as the original production and closed after just 56 performances. I really liked Sideshow, the original production of Sideshow. I saw it a a number of times. It did a a bunch of productions of it as well. Um, And I think that that's a... I think it's a show that will find its audience eventually. Uh, and I know that lots of theaters do it. Uh, it's got uh, just great roles uh, for the two women in it as well. What were you going to say, Matt? Well, no. I Well, first off, I was going to say I, I like it when Daniela has fun stories about ghosts better than uh, sad, depressing <laughs> ones. But I do agree with you, James. It's, it's a it's a show that so many people love from the theater community. Apparently, it's not yet been enough to make it commercially successful in New York, but I, I, I'm glad to know that there are companies around the country doing it. There is, some, I've never seen a production, so I don't really know much about the the roles of it. But the songs, man, some of those songs are fantastic. I will never leave you. Like I remember getting the original cast album when it first came out. That's definitely a score that deserves to be heard. Hmm. So, uh, and then when the revival came around a couple of years ago. Um... I don't think I I personally gave it a fair shake because they they made a lot of really? revisions to it, uh, and you know how it is like whatever the first version of Jesus Christ Superstar you listen to yeah. is always the best version. <laughs> and yeah. I, I feel like maybe I didn't give the revival a fair shake. It was good, but I I, I like the original better. Now so, trivia uh, question yeah. trivia about this revival of of uh, a sideshow and I'm, I don't know which one of the two stars um, 
was replaced or was was new. But originally, Betsy Wolf was supposed to be one of the sisters. Then she got bullets over Broadway uh, and left that production of Sideshow. That then they had to recast whichever Violet or Daisy she was. I don't remember because this is just off the top of my head. But um, so Betsy Wolf was supposed to be in that production, left to go do something else that looked like a, a more surefire hit. Neither one of them ended up being hits, but uh, but either way, just a little 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 nugget to throw in there from my various years of podcast listening and hearing Betsy talk about it at one point. I didn't know that about Betsy. That's really I bet she would have been great in that. Yeah. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Daniela, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Daniela Parcel and on Instagram at Daniela Parcelowell. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us, and Matt and I will come back and wrap up the week with you tomorrow. 